Can you describe what it felt like to be growing up in like the 1980s, just kind of talking about how technology has evolved and where Neuralink falls into that progression? Sure. Um, I remember the first video game I ever had uh, from my dad on my birthday. I think I was about five or six years old. And back then, video games were hooked up to big boxy TVs, you know, and um, it was a video game from like Radio Shack. It was like gray and had two different uh, controllers and they had dials on them and switches. And you had a choice between something like uh, tennis and, um, you know, maybe you know, baseball or um, um, I, I think that was it. So, so, something similar to that, but it was basically a black screen with a, a white dot and went back and forth and went boop, 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 mm-hmm. back and forth. And you try to hit it with a you know paddle to get into the goal. Something really simple and it was okay. It had the, the numbers on it. It was really pixelated numbers, you know, all jagged looking or whatever. And it was okay, but it wasn't all that exciting. And I saw, you know, a uh, bit of games that had better graphics at the uh, arcade. But in 86, um, no, I'm sorry, 1982 is when I got my really first really cool um, arcade-esque um, video game system, Atari, or the Atari 2600. Mm-hmm. And... Um, for the time it served its purpose, it was in color. It had shapes that vaguely resembled um, real things, you know, be it people or creatures or whatever. And I would play that with hours. They had, you know, the ET game was one of the games I really loved. Um, and so I got bored with that. And then I played um, like Asteroid. And um, it was just like when I saw at the um, arcades, you know, and that's what I had for the longest time until like early 90s, I think in 90, 90 or 91, I got to the Nintendo and all my other friends already had them, you know, mm-hmm. and that was a big improvement in Super Mario Brothers. Of course, that was the game that came with it. And I just loved it. The graphics were just adequate for me. And it, everything back then was like two dimensional, you know, it was like left to right. Everything went left to right. And um, and then later on, they had some friends had Sega and TurboGrafx-16, which was even better and faster and more flashy. And um, it was fun, but I kind of envied that because I, I kind of grew up a little bit poor, so I couldn't get the newest video games all the time and new video game consoles. But what I had, I liked and I enjoyed and I had a lot of fun with, you know. And um, I remember playing with my friends Excuse me, they had um, Nintendo. They also had the Nintendo 64 and other Nintendo incarnations that were out in the early 90s. Mm-hmm. And this is before the movie The Matrix. And I thought at that time, the concept of being able, I said, one day in the future, we'll be inside these video games, mm-hmm. you know. And uh, they looked at me, oh, what are you talking about inside? Or they microscopically, you know, put a, oh, no, somehow it would be broadcast to our brains. Like a digital version of ourselves in the the games. We'll be walking around in three-dimensional environments instead of sitting and going like this in front of a TV set. You know, uh, whatever, you know. But, you know, I didn't have the the terminology back then to to articulate it that well. I just knew it's something to do with the brain. It would be 
uh, broadcast, because that was the terminology I, I was familiar with, to our brains somehow. Mm-hmm. And we would be, um, you know, in the video game, or it would seem to be, you know, it would be the illusion. Um, and uh, over time, the closest thing to that was in science fiction, they started talking about virtual reality in the early 90s, late mm-hmm. 80s, early 90s. Um, and that one day we would um, put these um, clunky headsets on and be able to be emerged in um, 360 degree 3D realistic um, uh, video games that looked like video games of that time. You know, not, mm-hmm. not that it would be like um, photo real or anything, but it would be, you know, graphics that we were familiar with mm-hmm. or that we could imagine at the time. And that was good enough for us. You know, that would have been awesome. You know, and we saw movies like Lawnmower Man, you know, and then later on, you know, the sequel to that uh, six or seven years later. Um, and different TV shows were talking about virtual reality, but it, it really wasn't uh, coming to fruition. You had game, virtual Game Boy or something, uh, Virtue Boy, uh, which was really a um, monochrome red tinted video game system on your head. It looked cool. It looked mm-hmm. futuristic and everything, but um, it wasn't like a 3D environment that you could really call, you know, um, a true virtual reality uh, system. Um, but we knew about, we, we were, the American culture, um, well, not just America, but I guess the world, the culture at the time was able to imagine these things in, in such sci-fi movies um, and then later on, you know, TV shows like, um, it was a TV show called Tech Wars that really inspired me. They had things like took place in the future where people would have, uh, phones like in their wallets and it would be video phone. They would have a camera facing them and you would be able to see them. And I'm like, oh, I think we'll have that one day. And it took place in the 2040s, you know, I think, you know, and they had, they showed virtual reality and people um, using uh, virtual reality almost as like a drug. And it was like um, so immersive. So they was in, they were at some point including sensation instead of actual just 3D imagery. So it was like an advanced version of um, virtual reality. And it would show kind of the darker aspects of it, but also the cool parts too. So it was very inspirational. And I had an appreciation for science fiction that, explored both sides of the realm of like these future technologies that eventually we would get, you know? Um, And I remember being really excited by such movies like, um, intellectually excited about Mm -hmm. such movies like, um, uh, what was it? Uh, Total Recall with Arnold Schwarzenegger, you know? I mean, you don't really follow sci-fi that well, but in that, that story uh, mm-hmm. was about this guy who wanted to have like a, a vacation that was unique, like an experience or where he was like a, a, a secret agent, a spy. Mm-hmm. And, um, <clears throat> and the, the reality became blurred to what was real, to what was really happening. So you, the watcher, you don't know if he actually was starting to be, live that life for real 
mm-hmm. or you know uh, did something go wrong you know um, with the technology and uh, they weren't able to get them out of it what was real what was not real and it was showing the potential dangers to that but it was also nice to think of the uh, good aspects of being able to have unique adventures that are safe uh, that are fun either as a you know like a secret agent a spy or whatever or um, traveling in time or experiencing Atlantis or whatever, you know, um, a sort of matrix. I mean, this is before the matrix, but a sort of a matrix type uh, situation, um, but where you knew you were entering it. So as long as there was no, this isn't being forced upon you or you're not being tricked into this, that you just sign up for it, it could be good, you know, either for uh, entertainment or learning. Uh, now, this is like the early now into the mid 90s, and you had movies like Virtuosity um, with um, Denzel Washington and um, uh, Russell Crowe. What's that his name? Russell Crowe? Yeah, I think so. Actor. You know, Sounds familiar. Uh, yeah. Yeah, Russell Crowe, that's it. Um, and it was an intrigue movie where um, he was kind of like a serial killer, and then he was um, utilizing virtual reality. Um, and nanotechnology to his advantage and they were trying to hunt him down um, using um, cyber clues and stuff like that. It's been a while since I've seen the movie, but when I saw it, it really stimulated my imagination of the possibilities of what could happen one day, Mm -hmm. both the good and the fun, exciting stuff about it and also the dangerous potentials. When when you were talking about like the entertaining aspect or the learning aspect, it was making me think of like some of the comments that I've gotten on the on the channel like people will say well this will potentially help people to download new educational content and therefore they won't have to go through the struggle of learning x activity whatever it is so it might be like downloading a language or downloading how to know how to do karate or taekwondo or or what or whatever martial arts yeah that gets into the realm of like the matrix uh, uploading that information uh to you somehow in the movie it was not like you had nodes in the back you know and you had a a cord to jack into your mind it doesn't have to be that invasive you know Neuralink is something i think that could be something uh, that could be utilized in that regard to learn new skills new languages without taking the time time is an Time is money. Time is of an essence. If you've spent so much time learning something, you're not enjoying life and it's boring and it, and, and you don't feel motivated to learn. Maybe some people aren't good at learning a certain way. They have different mm-hmm. things that keep them back, like ADHD or whatever, you know. Um, this would have people overcome those obstacles and learn mm-hmm. things quicker, you know, um, and be able to um, learn all these different languages as needed uh, to be able to represent themselves in court someday and having all this legal knowledge, yeah. you know, um, it would be a good, um, it would give someone an advantage in the workplace, you know, all these different things could be used, you know, and that could be the negative aspect of it too, if someone can afford it, how, is it really fair that someone has that unfair advantage? But I think it would be um, over time, the prices of these things will go down and everyone be able to have them. When smartphones first came out, it was only really the richer when cell phones came out. 
you know, mm-hmm. it's really the rich and upper middle class and then the lower middle class and then the poor. By the time I was homeless, and we can talk about it some other time, but when I was homeless, I had a smartphone. And almost everybody that was homeless had smartphones. They can still like watch, you know, Netflix or Hulu, whatever, on their downtown. They can look up job information on their devices for free. I mean, they had to buy a device for like a hundred bucks or whatever. Um, however, they had an income. Um, and then go to like a, a McDonald's and they had the Wi-Fi back when you can go to McDonald's and sit down, you know, indoors, you know, before the pandemic. But um, you, you had all these opportunities available to you. And uh, to learn things, you could look something up uh, on, on Google, but with the Neuralink, you would have instant access to it. <laughs> but what I don't know yet, and I would like to find out, maybe you know this, but are we, will we be using, will we be just accessing, accessing this information with Neuralink instantaneously or would we, would we be learning with these skills and, um, and, and other things that we need to learn, like, you know, you know, mathematics or whatever, and new languages or however, karate, would these be imprinted on our brain? Or would it be um, put onto a chip that our brain accesses the information from? Does that make any sense? Yeah, I'm articulating that correctly. Yeah, I think it's it's not quite either one. I don't think it might. It, I mean, between those two, I think it's more of the second one. But in my head, it's more. <laughs> that was a good pun. Like in my head, yeah. I'm thinking it's more of like uh, you, you almost have like Elon said this at the latest update event. It's like having your phone in your brain, where or Fitbit in your skull, where you basically have access to all the information, but especially at the beginning, it's not necessarily going to enable you to process the information quicker. So it's like, even if I had all of uh, like martial arts, Taekwondo, like put into my brain and I already had all the skills to do it, it doesn't mean that I could just implement them right away. It would just be like, I know what to do, but I don't truly know like exactly how it feels until I continue to practice with it. So it's going to make everything... I think much easier to learn. And a lot of people are telling me like, oh, I want to, I want to go through the challenge of learning, of learning. And by having a Neuralink, I'll no longer have the joy of going through the hardship of learning. And I, I feel that, I understand that. But I, I also think like, okay, but even if we have the internet today or we have a Neuralink in the future, Either way, like you can always default going back to the most easy way to learn some or the, the most difficult way to learn something as it was. So it's like, for example, with the Taekwondo, like I could spend countless hours training, learning how to do Taekwondo the old fashioned way, so to speak, or I could like learn online and it's a little bit easier with a trainer at the same time, or I could like download with the Neuralink and then have easier access to information it just makes it easier but anybody who's wanting to do the old-fashioned way the hardest way they could still do it right yeah i mean i i think at some point in my opinion um without any real scientific knowledge background uh, just a lot of imagination and sure. based on my um, rudimentary uh rudimentary understanding of it 
would be at some point, I think the technology would be so advanced that it, it would have something that is often called time dilation, where to you, the uh, experiencer, it would seem like you really are learning it the old fashioned way, going to either college or a Taekwondo class or whatever, and learning, um, you know, it, it would be focused just on the actual experience of being in the classroom setting or in the dojo or whatever, and going to the punches and all that sort of thing. And then taking the time doing the pushups, all that, all the forms he had to learn. And it would seem like it's in real time. But when you uh, unplugged from it or whatever, disconnected from the experience, that whole time that you thought was maybe years might've only been like 20 minutes or an hour or something like that. So um, you're still learning it faster yeah. and you're still learning it in a way from your perspective, the way, the good old fashioned way, uh -huh. you know, of actually doing it. And to you, it seemed like you were doing it um, the old fashioned way, but in actuality, the time was almost instantaneous. So you're getting into both of the best of both worlds. And that's what I think is going to happen. Wow. Yeah. I never, I never thought about it that way, but now that you're mentioning it, like I could totally see something like that happening because like Max Hodak, the, the president of Neuralink, like he tweeted out a poll recently on Twitter and like one of the options for like, what would be one of the coolest quote unquote superpowers, I guess. Um, I don't think he, that's the exact term that he used, but it's something like that. And one of the options was control of the rate of time. And so in my head, it was like, okay, he's kind of foreshadowing like some of the things that might be possible in the future with Neuralink. And I, I guess that's like kind of the way it would play out is, is what you're describing. That'd be yeah. pretty cool. And it's already been like done like in, um, in sci-fi already. And uh, it shows like, um, you know, Star Trek, D Space Nine. Uh, there was a, um, maybe a few others. I think Voyager might've done it too. But the concept was the person was arrested and put in a jail and they experienced like 20 years in jail. Um, when it was only eight, maybe eight hours or maybe even eight minutes or whatever it was. Oh. <laughs> and um, it introduced me to the concept of like time dilation. So this information was like our conscious awareness and the things that were going, it was like sped up. But for us, it was, it seemed like it was happening in, in, in real time. And, mm -hmm. I, and then I was thinking, could that be done? And then I heard like the practical aspect of it in uh, quantum physics, mm -hmm. where they were talking about like, if you um, were in a, uh, a spaceship traveling at the speed of light, you know, and, and you were in your mind, you were like going one, two, three, but from the outside observer, it was like one, mm -hmm. two, three, but your brain processed it differently. Mm -hmm. So that your aging would slow down so much that um, by the time you came back, uh, everyone would be so much older and you would be the same age or not much older. Hmm. And I'm like, well, if scientists are saying it, then this idea of time dilation uh, maybe isn't fantasy after all. Mm -hmm. and if we could do something with the brain through the consciousness 
where it seemed like we were experiencing uh, the college life, maybe even the in-between parts too, like going walking from campus to campus, partying with your friends, all of the whole college experience, the good, bad, everything. And then you unplug from the, uh, from the disconnect and it's like 20 minutes later. And I'm like, wow, I just went to college. I had a relationship. I did this. I go, oh my God, no, <laughs> that's crazy. You know, and um, it, it's almost like um, the, an episode, I think a lot of your viewers that probably be friends of, uh, friends, <laughs> fans of the show, uh, Rick and Morty. It was an episode where they, they played this video game and this guy lived his entire life. <laughs> and then it, when it was over, he was, it's like, oh man, I, I did all that stuff. And I, I forgot that I was in this, um, they call it bits and chits. It was like a, a, a um, outer space version of like um, Dave and Buster's, you know, it was like yeah, a video yeah. game, you know, and that it was like, funny. Cool. and it was, it was all based on the concept of time dilation. I, I think it actually can happen uh, because our, our, the brains, the way it's set up with the neural firing going on, you know, it could be perhaps manipulated in a way that we experience time differently. And it's, you know, all, all the illusion and then all that time that we spent, you know, was, was really 20 minutes and we learned all that stuff in that time. And then you could move on with your life. You know what I'm saying? Then because during that time, time isn't of it. Of an you need to learn um, a skill quick and you don't have the leisure of having four years or seven years at a law school, whatever you, you're going to have court in a couple of days or something like that. So you need to learn all this stuff right now. And it seems like you went through all that. So you had the benefit of having that. And also it didn't take all that time. So that, that would be pretty cool. We can be able to do that. So another like superhuman ability that I think has come up related to Neuralink would potentially be telekinesis in yes. some form or another. And you had mentioned that previously, uh, so what do you think is, is possible with that? And what made you like think of it in the first place? Well, I think in the very beginning, it's gonna be as they describe, um, but it's gonna be a watered down of uh, telekinesis or some say psychokinesis, you know, or PK, um, which is the ability to affect your environment with your mind. That's like the basics of it, like turning on and turning off appliances like your TV or your computer, um, or the lights or whatever. And that's the basics of it. Yeah, like you, you mentioned before, a smart home. Yeah, a smart home, you know, in the environment where you're, you have a neural link type system and you have a smart um, home where everything is hooked up like to the wire, uh, to the internet and you're able to uh, wirelessly communicate with it instead of actually pressing a button. You know, it takes out the middleman stuff of pressing a button and you just think of it and it, it does it for you. It's a lot easier. But actual telekinesis or whatever technically goes even beyond that and would be like um, if you've seen Star Wars or whatever where they use the force and to make something levitate uh, like a lightsaber into their hand and they can now defend themselves. Mm -hmm. I think that could be done and here's how, you know. It wouldn't be like creating some sort of energy that you're able to manipulate. But one day when we're able to have um, nanobots, we're self-replicating and all this sort of thing, you would communicate your desire to that. And the, the self the nanobots or whatever would attach to themselves to the object that you wanted to, to get. Let's say you're in a struggle and you're in a fight. There's a home invasion. And uh, your weapon, your gun comes out of your hands. And now the other person already has the weapon in their hands. 
Well, the nanobots would latch onto that device, the weapon or whatever, and have it levitate and float to your hand. And the way they it would do that, it was it, the nanobots would have uh, like compressed air or whatever that would re release, creating the thrust needed to levitate into your hand. So it would look cold, like magic. cold gas thrusters. Thrusters. <laughs> yeah. Yes, exactly. You know, I'd imagine that's how it would be done. You know, whatever you know, thrust. It would have to be some sort of thrust. You know, to lift it off the ground, and it would come to your hand. And then you can um, protect yourself. Obviously, it could be also done for fun, for magic shows and stuff like that. You know, making someone yeah. levitate and, you know, um, make it seem like you have ghosts in your house and you don't, you know, for trickery, for YouTube videos. You, I don't know if you've seen, there's like a lot of videos that are supposedly um, haunted, uh, you know, um, poltergeist. You know, you can fake it now without string. You can just manipulate it with your mind. You know, it'd be cool to do with your friends, or for a show or whatever. And um, that's the only way I can see that being possible. That aspect of telekinesis mm -hmm. would have to include nanobots. I, I can't think of any other way it could be done. And nanobots seem to be kind of far away. I think we would have them maybe in, um, during the singularity that's supposed to take place in 2045. You know, when we have uh, artificial super intelligence helping us create that. Otherwise it would probably take a thousand years before we're at that point, sure. you know, on our own. I mean, with Neuralink, uh, like how it is so far with the early applications to help like paralyzed patients or even um, people who have lost limbs, you know, like let's say somebody lost their arm, uh, like for, for any circumstance, they lost their arm and now they have like a replacement arm uh like a prosthetic limb and then that's connected to a neuralink it's it's not really like they're i mean they kind of are made to feel like they're controlling their own body but in some ways they're controlling like another robot you know and they have like full functionality of this new robot and you can kind of just extend that beyond and say like okay well instead of just like an attached prosthetic limb, you can now have other sensors, other mechanisms that are attached to your body or not attached to your body, like the nanobots that you're describing. And then the Neuralink in your brain have control over it. I think that that's like pretty intense and pretty, pretty cool. Like that's, I definitely feel like that's the future. Yeah, I mean, um, you would have at some point, I'd imagine tech wars, like like in that book that I was talking about, uh, mm -hmm. TV series as well by William Shatner. I was really imaginative. And a lot of that thing, I, a lot of those stuff that was explored, um, I think will one day be a reality. And that it takes place in the 40s, 2040s, um, I think is uh, the perfect timing because I think it can't happen any sooner than that. It might take a little longer or whatever, but eventually we're going to have a tech war scenario where you're going to have the good aspect of it. For every good thing, there's always going to be the, the dark side of it. You know, there's mm -hmm. no escape in that. And my goal um, and a lot of other people like you who were talking earlier is to have a balance as much as possible, you know? Mm -hmm. And um, I, I think that we're going to have at some point things that are 
and it's going to sound cliche because it's been said before, but technology is going to reach a point where it's going to be indistinguishable from magic, you know, mm-hmm. and we almost have that now, but it's going to be even more fantastic. And I think at some point we're going to have something called like a conjure net where you'd be able to speak certain commands and it, the nanobots would create certain things that you need, you know, I mean, not everything. I'm not talking about gold and silver jewelry. Maybe that might even be possible, but whatever, you know, but things are of a necessity. Like if you were, um, um, what do you call it? Having an asthma attack, you didn't have inhaling, you need oxygen. You would be able to conjure up like a sort of oxygen thing or inhaler or something with what you need. Um, or it, or a tool to get you out of a situation, like if you're in an avalanche or I don't know, you know, if you're lost in the woods and you need it to survive, you might be able to send out a thought SOS, like a prayer, mm-hmm. you know, to um, that would locate, would send it out to um, an emergency response um, place that was nearby and they would be able to know where you're located in, in order to get you help. Or if there was like an earthquake and stuff like that, the response time to get you uh, assistance and time is of the essence between life and death. I think that would help um, in that regard too. So there's a lot of practicality in with it as well, you know. So your prayers literally would be answered, you know. You know, you pray to God that it works, and then you pray to the techno uh, people to to help, um, you know, make it ha- happen. You know, um, you can't always call nine one one. How you gonna? If you can't move. You know, you're not going to be able to call 911 or shouting help, yeah. dial 911, you know, whatever. But if you're able to at least think and send out a stress, even the basic, even if you can't form words because you're too emotional, the fact that you're in danger, the essence of that danger would be sent out and where it's coming from. You know, so um, you would have artificial intelligent um, computers and machines that are able to detect these um, scared thoughts, negative thoughts, you know, someone in peril mm-hmm. and, um, and be able to uh, alert the people that are there to help them, either a combination of like uh, other human beings like firefighters and or like androids or whatever bots or whatever that would help. However, it is done in the future, I think getting help on the way in ways that can't be done so easily now would be um, something that's possible. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I really look forward to that. You know, it'd be like, you know, that thing when you, I fall and I can't get up mm-hmm. very similar to that, except for, you know, you're, you don't have that device. You just yeah. think it as long yeah. as you're able to think, you yeah, know, the, the life alert like, yeah. with a button. I, I mean, that whole thought, uh like that whole application that the entire space like reminds me of what tesla is doing with their tesla service like if your car breaks down or your car needs maintenance or you're you got in an accident then tesla will automatically have the car send information to a service center or to like some they'll send some signal well like uh, godstar it kind of sounds like what we already have but a more advanced version of an OnStar, right? You know, right? Yeah, yeah, basically. And that's great, you know. And it makes me feel more more safe. It just start right now. I can't afford a Tesla, you know. Sure. But it's nice that other people that can are able to have access to that. And eventually, 
prices will go down and it'll be more accessible to everyone. But all these different industries can get involved, you know, even if you, like I said earlier, as long as you can think, you can get help. But what if you can't even think because you're knocked unconscious? So if you had yeah. nanobots or nanotechnology implemented in your body somehow and would able to send a signal to the, you know, the local uh, emergency response people that can help you, you know, uh, then even if you like fall in your kitchen or in your bathroom and there's no one else that can get, get to you, it would know that you're in distress, that something happened and uh, it will call on your behalf and it will show the necessary, um, like the medical data of your medical history, uh, what you're allergic to, um, mm -hmm. all these different things that you wouldn't be able to answer a paramedic where it hurts you, where you're broken, that type of thing. It'll do with a body scan. It'll let you know like what part of the area is damaged and you know, that sort of thing. So all these different things could come in um, in perfect sympathy, um, orchestrated out, you know, with precision to, to get the help that you need, you know. Um, but and here's something that Again, I always like to think outside the box of certain things that might trick the system. You would have to tell it the difference between an actual emergency situation um, and like if someone was acting in a play or in a movie was in peril. You'd have to know the difference because then it's all, it's going to come out when you're doing, hey, we're just filming a movie, you know. But it has to be smart enough to recognize the difference, you know. Um, Obviously, like if there's a biological problem with you and you need medical attention, you can't fake that for the sake of a movie. You know, I mean, you could actually, in a, while making a movie, trigger a physical response and now you need real help. So then it would be able to tell the difference like, okay, they're acting and it triggered a, triggered a response <laughs> yeah. and now they're having a real problem and they need real help. You know, so it needs yeah. to be um, smart enough to realize the difference. So it's gonna be a, a lear learning curve with these um, AIs and super AIs and all this sort of thing. Um, that's what I'm anticipating, you know? Yeah, I mean, I, I guess I personally feel like that that's pretty far down the road. Like all yeah. these things that are that we're speculating on with Neuralink, like I really think at the beginning, it, it's gonna be a much dumber system than a lot of people are, are anticipating it to be. Oh yeah, all this stuff is, yeah, not, Neuralink isn't going to come out the door with this stuff. The first part is going to be helping people with um, like Parkinson's and ALS and uh, MS and people with sight problems and mobility issues. Mm -hmm. God bless them. That, that I want first. That's the main thing. It's just the later stuff like learning faster. And then, you know, as the uh, technology advances, you know, it's going to start out small and then, you know, get, it's just how it is, you know. Radios, TV, black and white, color, splats, you know, all these things. Everything has an evolution, you know. Uh, the flat screens didn't come out off the door that way. They were, you know, started off with simpler, you know, bulkier machines, you know. Um, radio, then, you know, like I said, you know, then, then later on TVs and the transistors, you know. So nothing, these weren't just invented. It came to an evolutionary process. No one invented a smartphone. It was a it was a process that came 
going back over a hundred years with the telegraph, the wireless, you know, um, they called it wireless back then over a hundred years ago. We've been using the term wireless for a lot longer than we realized. And so you had like the telegraph system um, over the wire, you know, so that was like the first, um, that was like the great grandfather of the, the smartphones that we have today, you know, so everything we think is new was actually just a, uh, a new version of something that's already been in existence in some form or another. Yeah. So er earlier you, you referenced how like at the beginning, the price will be really high and eventually taper off. Um, one of the latest episodes, it'll probably have come out before this one does, um, is about like the cost of a Neuralink implant. And Elon referenced in one of his update events that the cost will initially be really high and but that's not indicative of how it will be in the future. Eventually they aspire to make it on par with like the cost of LASIK. And LASIK after the research that I did was like around 2000 to $3,000. And so yeah. let's say he's moderately correct and it, it tapers off at around 3000 to 5000. Uh, do you think like that would be worth the Neuralink implant? Do you think a lot of people would pay for it at that point? And uh, like, what do you think are some of the pros and cons getting to that price point? Um, well, different people, of course, have different um, income and um, spending thresholds and risk um, tolerance. Sure. Um, so they have to know what their risk tolerance would be and whether or not uh, that would be advantageous for them. I think if they're able to afford it without wrecking them, um, or breaking the piggy bank type of thing, then it, it's something they should invest in. I myself, I can't right now cough off $5,000. I would have to save for it. You know, it would be worth saving. Whether or not it would be done on a, a down payment, like when you buy a car, it's $25,000. You're not paying them $25,000 unless you're super rich, you could do that. Mm -hmm. You know, you put down what a, a few thousand and you pay so much a month. Would this be the same way? I don't know. Uh, you know, would you get a credit card? Would it run into debt? Um, if you no, exactly like what I said, it, it would be worth getting into debt for a little while if you can pay it off because now you're smarter and now are able to, um, you know, um, financially manage your money better and then pay off your debts. So then it would be just a, a temporary problem fixed. That's exactly what Elon said. Like he, he was saying, uh, like you should have high confidence that you would be able to repay, repay off the loan if you have like really good high level intelligence. Exactly. You know, um, I, um, I wonder if, if the device that if you were to get right now versus if you waited, would it be better for you to wait or would you have to like get an upgrade and would it be a software upgrade or would it be an actual um, technological thing upgrade? I think it's gonna be an actual upgrade in the device itself, not like software upgrades. Some mm. of that might be part of it for sure. But I think um, unless I had mobility issues, I wouldn't get it right off the bat because I don't really need it right now. Um, when it gets a little more advanced, because LASIK surgery has been around for 20 something years, almost 30 years now, I think. Yeah, I think um, it first got approval in the 80s. Yeah, 
you know, and not too many people were able to get it. Now it's a lot more affordable. I can get it now. And I might, but it's not anything I really need. I can supplement it with uh, contact lenses right now, but at some point it would be nice to have LASIK surgery. Um, but when it first came out, I didn't know, um, it was kind of scary. People can go blind with it. You know, I wanted to see how people, um, did with it. And now that it's been out, it's been tested and proven over and over again. Um, the, uh, risk is low, you know, so, you know, I'm more inclined at some point to get that. And it'll be the same with Neuralink. I probably won't get it right away. I would want to see what side effects happened, if any, um, what glitches are happening. I want people to work out the glitches, the hacking issues, if there are any, um, and then wait until it's a bit more advanced where it can be advantageous for me um, at a level that is worth the, um, the payment. I like to pay things all at once. I don't like owing money at all. So I'm, I'm the type of person, if I can't afford it all at once, I probably am not going to get it. So I might be inclined to save up for it or at the very least pay half now and then, you know, pay in increments afterwards. Um, I hate being in debt and I hate owing. I just hate it. It just drives me nuts. Gotcha. But I really do. I want to wait. I don't know how long it will take for each upgrade. Would it be five years and then another version of it? Is it going to be like video game? You know, like you had, um, what was it? The uh, PS3, then the PS4, then the PS5. And it can't like the lat the four and five came out a lot quicker between the one and the two, mm. and the three came out, and then it was a long wait for the four. Then you had five right away. It was like four and five were oh. almost within a year apart. So how how often and how quick are these new improvements going to be? I don't want to get an old version and be like, oh crap, I should have waited. Sure. You know, yeah. Would I be able to trade it in for a new one? Is it going to be like a car where you can trade it in for a new one? How does that work? Can you take it out once you put it in? I think you can, but at some point I was worried. Like I was talking to you the other, not the other day, it was months ago. Would um, some of your brain um, matter and your workings and the, the neurons and the, the bile aspects of your brain um, mesh in with the, with the device in some way where it's like growing into it? Like weeds that I come on, on a, you know what I'm saying? Like a tree of the roots. Yeah. Yeah. You know, going around the building or something like that. You know, how would that, would, would it grow into the device? I, I don't know that, you know, it sounds silly, but I mean, I don't, maybe it, everyone knows and I'm the only one that knows it's not possible or not very likely, but I mean, um, would it be hard to abstract? It would be like a tumor. If you take it out, you might do a damage to your brain in some way. I mean, I don't, do they know it won't yet? Or, you know, is it iffy, you know, had they figured that out? In, like that in, the, in the pig demo uh, oh. last, last year, no. they demonstrated that in one of the pigs, like they were able to implant and then, and then take out successfully. And it was a happy pig. Yeah, but no, no noticeable damage. Yeah, yeah. To the, no noticeable. That's the the key word. But to a pig, how do you know if it's suddenly <laughs> dumb all of a sudden? What if it went from a normal pig to a kind of a yeah. target slow pig? Uh, here, like, here's dumb pig. Here's dumber pig. pig. <laughs> oh, 
a pig is only as smart as a pig could be, you know, if it became <laughs> dumber, you're not going to notice, Yeah. you know, um, whereas if it was done to a human, it went, it could have went from uh, Stephen Hawking's mind to, um, um, I don't want to use any real life experience, but someone that's kind of, <laughs> sure. you know, uh, mentally handicapped, you know, type of thing. <laughs> that's more noticeable when it's with a human. Uh, pigs are just pigs. Now, monkeys, you could tell like a monkey, it was all of a sudden really smart with tools and then he's doing, he's making crap, you know, he's doing, he's like using sign language and all of a sudden he's like, yeah, <laughs> yeah, flinging his crap around, you know, okay, then it's going to be more noticeable, sure. you know. So, I don't know if you can say, oh, there's no noticeable things when the between the pig. How can you tell yeah. the difference between a smart pig and a dumb pig? You know? yeah. Or, yeah. you know, what I'm saying, you know, I don't want to be, you know, so facetious, but. You know, um, I like the word how they say noticeable. I was noticing that just last night I was reading about it. You know, they had an article about Elon Musk and, and um, they're asking the question, uh, something like, um, I forget how they phrased it. Like, who, could Neuralink make us as smart as he is? You know, and mm -hmm. that was a question. And then they talked about um, like the pig issue that you just brought up. And how there was no noticeable differences, you know. Mm -hmm. Well, there was differences, but maybe it wasn't noticeable, you know. So, you know, I, I would like to see how it is with humans, mm -hmm. um, and then uh, make a decision from there. But I don't want to wait too long. Where now I, I missed the curve, and and something that could have fixed something wrong with me, I'm now not qualified due to health reasons to get it because of whatever reason. You know, maybe I won't survive it or, or something. I can't wait till I'm too long, too long gone. Like when I'm 89 years old and I wait that long, you know, maybe it's too late. But if I get it in my 60s, I think it'll be available at some point where by the time I'm approaching my 60s, it will be around enough where a lot of the kinks will work out and then I can benefit from it. I just need to get in shape. So I'm not, you know, getting fatter and fatter and fatter and more and more out of shape. I need to, you know, uh, diet and exercise and keep doing what I'm doing and trim down and be in a healthier state so I can enjoy all the benefits that Neuralink has to offer, both from the practical of, you know, more mobility because Parkinson's runs on both sides of the family and also to enjoy some of the, the cool, fun aspects of it too, you know. Um, uh, so many, Definitely. so many different things and, um, how would it Definitely. be with like reversing age, you know, at least mentally? I don't know. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Thanks for listening. Since you've made it this far, we greatly appreciate your support by liking, subscribing, and following us on all the major social platforms like Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok. And if you really enjoy our videos, we'd also greatly appreciate your support by clicking the join button down below the video or going to patreon.com slash Thanks again and hope you join us again for the next episode.